Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today we are talking about athletic performance and really what the role of a good coach is or more importantly what the value of a good coach is. We're going to be talking about what your coach should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing and how you can tell the good ones from the bad ones. Stick around. It's time to rock everyone. If you're new to the tribe, Rich is behind the mix. It's me at the table. I'm joined by, my, my name's Rad, if you didn't know. I'm joined by <laughs> Phil and Nilesh, and we're Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Unify Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness so you can unleash your inner athlete. You can get daily coaching bars plus our epic foundations prep program and revolutionary structural balance blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance. As a valued listener, you can use the link in the description to get your first month free. Also, I'm very excited to announce that this weekend we're going to have an epic 72-hour flash sale. The program that's going to be on sale will be announced tomorrow, so keep your ears out for that one. Now, before we get started, warm welcome if you're on the live stream in the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. Leave a comment and we'll send you some love. Remember that anyone can join and interact. And lastly, a shout out to our YouTube athletes catching the replay. Hit the like button to support the channel and subscribe if you like what you see. So as I said before, joining us today is Phil White and Nilesh Murti from ADPT Physio. How are you today, boys? Very well. Good morning, it's good to have guys. A, uh, an episode back together. We haven't had one in a while. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's been yes. a while since we've all been at the table, isn't it? Yeah. Nilesh, mm, Nilesh now it. has a small child, which is yeah. just exciting. Dad life. Yeah, dad yeah. life. Six days old, right? Six days, yeah. yeah. And you had six hours sleep Fresh. last night, so it's how good. was that? Last night was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things are looking up. That's Man. double double your sleep count from last <laughs> yeah. week. Man, you Actually, count. Actually, double. You count those... Uh, you count those nights as a blessing, man. After you've um, had your kid for a while, it's uh, it's pretty cool. But you do you do get out of the woods, and it does start to become better. My son's four, but you've got a long way to go before that. So. I had nine <laughs> hours sleep last night, so I'm feeling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this guy rubbing and it clean in. Clean no nappies. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's it. So today we're talking about well, this whole week we're talking about athletic development, and where Phil and I had a chat before the show, and we talked about. You know, what is it that, uh, that Phil and Nilesh could, could bring some real value to? And uh, I think a really good topic is, is what the role of a good coach is. And basically the way that what a good coach should do is gradually increase load tolerance, prevent injury, and prepare the body for things to come safely. Whereas what a bad coach does is they usually do that poorly and people get injured. What do you reckon, Phil? Yeah, I think it's all about starting with the end in mind. And I know that a lot of oh, I love that. people who, um, you know, start training in the gym, they definitely think about like um, basically just trying to get all the results they can as quickly as possible. Um, but I think where the coach can step in and really guide um, and, and, you know, bring that value in that coaching relationship is is understanding what the goals are, what the person really wants long term, and then think about how do you build that step-by-step plan of getting there. And uh, so often people just have an idea of what they want to do they jump in there and they do it as hard as they can whereas yeah it's it's as a as a coach and i, and I think physios really are like coaches it, it, it's all about just building those step-by-step processes to get to where you want to be without yeah. injuring yourself because that's the side effect of poor uh Man, yeah, yeah poor management uh, well, exactly right the plan and direction and you know are they getting you ready to perform is the three things yeah i would think a coach physio therapist yeah. Which, whichever label you want to put on it needs to have um, so 
And we see it go wrong a lot. I mean, I was definitely somebody in my earlier days as a, as a personal trainer, because when you're a personal trainer, the course that you do in the grand scheme of things is, is very small. It's a, it's a Cert 4 course in Australia, Certificate 4. So what's that? That's one level below a diploma, right? Mm -hmm. The next level would be a diploma. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think it was eight weeks of yeah. study doing two nights a week and two days on the weekend for eight weeks. And you learn a lot, you do. But I remember finishing that course and then getting out into the workforce, being a personal trainer. People come to you with their goals and I was just like, I really have very little idea of how to do that, but I'm gonna write you a program and we're gonna do it and we're gonna hope that it delivers a result. And I certainly had no idea about um, increasing load capacity or managing load capacity. So do you want to feel maybe um, for those of us that haven't, for the, our viewers or listeners that haven't heard that concept before, do you want to explain what load capacity is? Yeah, basically uh, every structure in the body will have a certain threshold of, um, of of load. So load can be either intensity of the force you're putting through it, so a heavy weight. It could be the amount of impact. It could be how quickly you're uh, lengthening it under tension. So basically it has the capacity to do um, specific work. And then if you exceed that capacity um, a little bit, uh, you might get a bit of a twinge or a niggle, or and if you keep doing that, you might develop a bit more of a chronic issue in that in that tissue, mm. issue in the tissue. Um, <laughs> but then, you if you really like acutely and intensely um, exceed that threshold, that's where the structure can get you know something more like a tear or a break in the bone, or um, you know a, an issue, you know, a, a tear in the cartilage or mm. or whatever. So basically, the idea is with um, with preparing your body for a particular sport, we've got to think about like what kind of intensity and what sort of threshold are we going to need to hit um, when we're doing that activity. And then you got to think, okay, what is my current load capacity and how can I build that up? And the way that the body is capable of, of developing more load capacity is gradual um, increases in loading that um, progressive overload basically, which is mm. the core kind of foundation of all strength training. So. And it takes a lot longer than what a lot of people really sort of sign up for when they start a program right um, yeah. I've heard you say in the past and let me let me see if I can get this right that um, the adaptation from strength is the first adaptation that occurs so in the neurological adaptation the ability for your body to just produce more force with what it's already got and that occurs in as little as 30 days is it yeah I mean yeah. It, it starts happening very quickly yeah um, yeah yeah and then the adaptation to um, basically yeah you've got you've got a lot of muscle there that the body won't use unless there's a really, really strong neural drive, which is usually in the case of like fight or flight yep. um, or intensive situations. And so the body, like strength training, if you're very new to strength training, you basically start to unlock strength just from being able to train your brain to activate more of what you got. Mm -hmm. Yep. The second adaptation is uh, the adaptation that occurs within the muscle tissue itself. So the hypertrophy of muscle fibers and that occurs at around the 90 day mark is that right or that's when you start to see significant change yeah typically you think what six weeks and plus like before you really start to see changes in muscle size like yeah, four to six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yep. trying to four work out the days, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. days. But yeah, typically it takes a lot longer than you think, which. Yeah. Um, I guess can feel a bit disheartening at the beginning. You're like, what? I have to do this for this but, long? But that's, but that's not the one that really gets me because this is something that I didn't understand. Um, so at this point, let's let's say at the three-month mark, 12 weeks, you're stronger. You can feel it. You, you, you know, when you walked in the gym and you picked up the 10-kilo dumbbells, they were hard, and now you're picking up 20-kilo dumbbells. So you can feel that you're stronger. 
But the adaptation or the, the increase in load capacity in the connective tissue still hasn't occurred very much yet, has it? At that 90-day mark, at that 12-week mark. Yeah, so typically with, um, so your, more your passive structures, so your bones, your cartilage, your ligaments, um, and yeah, basically that will typically be a three-month plus before you, like, to, to really see sort of change. And, and obviously it's not going to be one of those things where it's like, you have to wait three months and then suddenly it's like, tick, it's magical. here's yeah, one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one upgrade. It, it's, yeah. it's always going to be a continuum. Yeah. Um, so you will be getting stronger, but it, you've, yeah, it takes longer yeah. than you think. And, and for some people to see the kind of uh, improvements that they're looking for, it could, it could take, uh, you know, 12 months or even longer, couldn't it, to passive structures? Uh, I think that sometimes, you know, you can, like the only thing I worry about with this is sometimes people might, get too down the rabbit hole of, of structure and not think about it function. Mm. So I think, you know, it's really important to have an appreciation of all of this. But if you're so constantly thinking about structure, that can start to, um, you know, like with, as we've talked about with pain science um, podcasts previous to this, um, you know, your idea of pain, like pain is a, is your body's perceived threat and it's an expression of, of threat. And so I, I, do, I do worry about sometimes people go too far down the structure rabbit hole and this mm -hmm. can maybe sort of fit mm -hmm. into that. But um, it, yeah, you want to think about function and, and lots of like mobility changes or strength changes will be a, um, you know, not necessarily down to structure and mm. pain and dysfunction is very much related to um, other things apart from structure but mm -hmm. yes certainly it does take longer than you you think with um yep. with, with bones and, and cartilage, cartilage especially yep. anything with lower blood supply like cartilage is going to be lower yeah so that's why with you know with less you know acl injury um or or any sort of a significant passive structure injury like you know some of those guys are out for what cogs just did syndesmosis that's 13 or t 10 to 13 weeks or 10 to 12 i think um, yeah. 10 to 12 weeks it's just again it's it, it's it's the strengthening it's the part we obviously we, we focus on but it's also um you know bulletproofing other areas in that time as well because it's excessive time of legs yeah. and so forth we have yeah. we in the sporting world look at that's why there's such a big time limit yeah. um to it but yeah. yeah i think um i think one of the you know the biggest concerns that the the average punter has is that they don't really understand how this process sort of unfolds and how it develops and a lot of people get frustrated and, and, and want the quicker results right I, I know that i've been there i've i've been Me that, too. Yeah, yeah i've been that person that wanted the results to come quicker it's human nature yeah, yeah yeah it is right and so as a as a strength coach as a trainer as a as a personal trainer i've had we, we've got a real flip side with the way that we do things because we used to give people what they asked for with in fear of losing them as a client because you do that. Like when Yanni and I were back at Fitness First and at the Big Chain Gym and there's a lot of different personal trainers there, you'd lose clients to the other trainer who who poured the sugar on the, you know, um, on, the, on their program, you know, well, basically David. just... Gave them sit-ups to get abs, right? Yeah, that's whatever. <laughs> like, just just told them bullshit because they knew that that's what they yeah, wanted to or hear. just tried to, you know, a lot of, you know, fitness industry is about quick transformations. That's right. That's exactly and right. And so we've, we've been trainers that delivered on what people expected, which is, you know, okay, you, you want to get big muscles, we're just going to go straight into the big lifts and we're going to get you there and the, the programs that just kill you. Like hypertrophy programs, if you've ever done a proper hypertrophy program, hypertrophy program where that's the goal they are so goddamn hard they are not a walk in the park at all it's quite different to strength training quite different to cardio or endurance or anything like that. it's full on and for most people they need to do a 
preparation phase before that. Now, what we did after seeing so many people get injured, we kind of enforced that on people. When people wanted to come to us for a whatever goal that we could tell they weren't ready for, we said, look, that's great. That's a good goal. We'll get you there, but we're going to be doing this amount of work first. And now we've, because we've been doing that for so long, it's so ingrained in the culture at Unity Gym that people don't really question it. And I think, I guess we've been around for long enough now. People Uni- have seen the results. Yeah, of- people have seen the results. Yeah. They can see the reviews and stuff that people that come yeah. here, they're, they're willing to trust that process. And I think, you know, to go back to the, to the topic of conversation for today, that really is the role of a good strength coach. If, if you're going to go and pay somebody, if you're going to pay a, a physio, a personal trainer, or whatever it is to write programs and guide you through this process, then it's that coach's responsibility to make sure that they increase your load capacity safely and don't injure you. And yeah. it's a hard thing to do it's, as a coach. It's an art and it's a science. Yeah. Like that's the, the really tricky thing about this is you can, you can come up with some, you know, a exact program that looks perfect on paper that you say, you know, if you just do this, you'll you know, get all the goals you, you, you want. Mm-hmm. But um, th- you're working with humans and humans mm-hmm. are really, you know, have mm-hmm. so much variability in both their physical ability, their time constraints of training, their knowledge, their understanding of how to perform what you've actually given them and also their passion and enjoyment for, um, for exercise. And, you know, there's, there's, it's so hard to, um, get all of that right where you know if you can give a perfect program and if someone's just like well this is boring and takes what <laughs> is way harder than I want to or not or in the case of foundations program often it's not hard enough um, it's that art of, of, of really tapping tapping into the person and what they enjoy to yeah make the the, the program compliant so yeah it's hard <laughs> yeah. and then they just need to trust the process because yeah. yeah. for week one might not be hard but you replicate that to week eight yeah Things get hard, yeah. You know, so well, tough and yeah, lifting fatigue, yeah. So and so, yeah. I think that that with, when talking about the value of a good coach is the ability to, you know, get that sort of understanding of, of you know what the person needs, but then also be able to communicate it in a way that gets that buy-in and yeah. and also you know not only the communication but the when I say communication like the ability to listen and hear what the what the um what the client or in our case the patient has to say about what they enjoy and what they realistically do and trying to get an optimal sort of program together that satisfies the you know needs of um, preparing the person but also mm. takes into account the constraints of you know they you know if i'm give Nilesh who's now on uh, not many hours sleep and now serious time constraints something mm. that's a 3 hour workout a day like that's not going to work yeah <laughs> so yeah it is not and a science yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've got a really good question here that I think you two boys could add some good value to from Jody and Stephen. We'll get to you in a sec, brother. Um, Jody Sim, who's one of our members here, um, um, she's uh, actually an exercise physiologist, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jody. She's saying, does it take a different amount of time in strengthening the ligaments and cartilage depending on power training versus strength versus hypertrophy? Um, Jody, and Les, Phil, and Nilesh um, know this straight off the bat. Can you just define what you mean by power training? Um, so probably like Olympic lifting, yep. like more speed, yeah, right. speed work versus strength okay. work versus high volume work. Mm-hmm. Um, and my basically th- thinking of this is is your body adapts to what you spend your time doing. So like, if you, it will you know get a response and it will get good at loading for so with power training if we're thinking that's like olympic weightlifting, then there's mm-hmm. going to be a bit more speed and impact um and so that's conditioning your your body like and your cartilage to 
be able to take impact. Whereas if you did uh, all um, you know hypertrophy work and then you went for a run or you tried to do a clean and jerk, like your body hasn't been adapted to that particular yep. stimulus, mm-hmm. and therefore you'll have a different response. But timing wise, like you'll still be 100%. adapting at the same rate, but you're adapting for different things in those. And doesn't um, that suck? Like you really think <laughs> that you'd really think that if you did two hours work a day, you know, and you got really really strong and jacked, that you'd be prepared for everything. But unfortunately, yeah. it just doesn't and that, work. And that's like where that, movement right? variability is so key and and why i think you know the way that the unity gym program is really well set up is that it's got every i mean there's lots of variability within the workouts themselves and you've got the difference between your um you know your warm-up and then you've got your strength and flexibility together um and then you've got your um the what, circuit at the end where yep. you're getting a bit yep. more impact and speed and, and all of those things um but then also it's changing too much sleep um but yeah you've also got the variability of mesocycles where every six weeks you're changing the type of squat you're doing you're changing mm-hmm. the range of motion you're changing mm-hmm. um you know uh, different rep ranges so you're, you're building in that movement variability so that when something pops up that you want to do like your body's been exposed to so many different things whereas um, in the past when i've just done very much powerlifting training so squat bench and deadlift um low rep uh, like anything outside of those particular exercises were an absolute punish and you know going for a run everything hurt and (laughs) you know sometimes putting something in the fridge would throw my back out like you know it just uh yeah the movement variability is what will prepare you for lots of different things and so that's where a coach who understands the demands of a sport or the needs of a sport like something i think coaching for afl players and the physio work you do with afl players must just be like the hardest <laughs> one of the hardest sports to deal with because like you and could they gotta be able to do everything there's a lot absolutely. of planning there's a lot of um yeah. sitting on a laptop and writing out what yeah. the end goal looks like and then work back from there not yeah. writing the perfect program week yeah. one and then yeah. go, wait, how do I progress this? How do I regress this? Because so. they need a they need a massive vertical leap. They need a um, they need a sprint massive um, uh, single leg leap. That, you know, from speed, they need sprint speed. They need lateral movement. They need to be able to change direction quickly. And they need to be able to, to take a hit as well, <laughs> and tackle. Yeah, and they also need to be quite flexible as well because the kicks that they do, if you look, yeah. the flexibility required, but also to get a mark, like the way that they jump up and get their arms Shoulder up. mobility, and, yeah, strength, strength and, and length. That yeah. like move variability of like that uncontrolled environment where, you know, it's one thing to jump up and, and yeah. take a catch, but then there's another thing to have someone you running into you. Time. Also, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, full so, on, isn't it? So it's an amazing sport. Yeah, so I think like the understanding of like, a, you know, for Nilesh is so specialized in working with athletes like that, like his um, program might be quite different for someone who needs to be prepared for all of that versus someone who mm-hmm. wants to, you know, be a, doing muscle-ups or calisthenics mm-hmm. only where you've not got those demands of, you know, perturbation training where you're getting pushed while you're doing things and having mm. a stability demand. So there's like, yep. there's so much specificity that... Well, I've had some a really good experience with both of you guys because when I've had injuries, um, notably, I mean, the three injuries that I've really had, actually four injuries that I've really had a lot of help from from you guys in the last four years, yes. the, the forearm tendinopathy, I had yeah. a lot of help from you, the slap tear... Torn supraspinatus, I had help from you. I've had help shoulder. with you from the same kind of things in my other shoulder. And I had a lot of help from Leroy from my meniscus tear that I did. And it was all about just getting that load capacity up again and being able to do things that your body can handle, which is very, very different to the way that I would have approached injuries in the past. And I think the way that most people go wrong with it, which is I'm just going to rest and I'll <laughs> just stop doing anything until the pain goes away and then I'll start doing 
um, what I'm going to do, uh, you know, what I want to do again. Yeah. Um, and that's a really, um, that's a bad approach, isn't it? Yeah, it's a common approach. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I had a member come up. Remember? Yeah. Um, hey, my back's blah, blah, blah. Should I just stop training? You were there. Yeah. Um, like, you know, that's the most common approach. Um, unfortunately, yep. that approach has been promoted mm. 10 years ago, um, which we're now obviously putting a stance to, to kind of mm-hmm. create that, you know, motion is lotion. Yep. So it's okay to move and it's okay to have some sort of pain or symptoms. A lot of it comes from doctors, doesn't it, from GPs? Because yeah. I've been to GPs where the advice was, don't do any exercise for a few weeks. You're going to aggravate yeah. it. You're going to make the injury worse. Yeah, I mean, the understanding has changed yeah. on all fronts. Like, you know, yeah. physio used to be a much more passive um, sort of profession where you'd go in and you'd get some hands-on treatment, but you yeah. wouldn't necessarily get all of this other side of things. So, it's, yeah. you know, doctors are definitely yeah. probably taking a bit longer to catch up with things because they have so many other things that they have to also know about and they have very limited time to work with patients. But um, certainly it's, it's just a, a general better understanding it as science progresses. So I think sort of Jody's question um, about the rate of, like how um, does it take different amounts of time? I think it kind of sums it up quite well where you've got a constant rate of change and it's just a matter of what stimulus you're giving it to get a desired result. So it's like you're, no matter what you're doing, if you're resting, that's load. It's mm. a, it's a insufficient load and you will atrophy and you'll get weaker and your all your structures will will respond to rest and they'll at that same rate of change be adapting to that so you'll get weaker mm-hmm. but in that same amount of time you're going to be constantly turning over tissues constantly adapting so um, if you're giving it the right stimulus then you'll get that yeah. goal and, and again with, with ligaments and cartilage I'm not saying you're wrong there th- there is no correct phase to strengthen it it's any stimulus is good stimulus because you can't really isolate and strengthen a ligament or cartilage you can remember that there um, structures of um, you know support control and so forth so your muscles movement and so forth are going to help assist that so you can't isolate and train those things but any phase is going to stimulate it to matter what you are obviously if you're going to go start doing um road running 50ks a day or a week you you are going to bound to you know not bulletproof your cartilage and you know make them susceptible to injury if you've gone Um, zero (laughs) time yeah zero to 100 so and this is why i um really like the generalist approach And and i really think that at least from the people that I've been exposed to myself, Ido Portal is an amazing pioneer of this concept. He's the first person that ever taught me the idea of being a generalist. And I now work with Roy Gold as well, who definitely falls in that category. He's one of Ido's students. And I find that the more I, the, the more specialized that somebody is, like, the, like when you look at people, I, I, I had a conversation online with one of our online members where they were talking about one of our, one of my coaches marveling at how good they are. And I said, and they were talking about goals and this and that. And I said, be careful setting your goals when you look at a specialist. I made that mistake because when you look at a specialist and you're looking at somebody that's put all their eggs in that basket, and yes, they've produced a phenomenal result. But if you take them out of that field, there's things that they're really bad at. And I made the mistake of setting flexibility goals based on looking at specialists and thinking, I want to be able to do that, I want to be able to do that. But I was trying to train like a generalist and it was quite frustrating Mm. not seeing myself make those massive improvements. And when I looked at how people train that are really that flexible, well, not everybody, some people are naturally a bit more gifted, but um, yeah, I think it's something that uh, um, having this generalist approach, and it relates back to Jody's question, where you 
um, you want to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of power training, a little bit of strength training, a little bit of hypertrophy training. And, you know, the best way that we like to do it is just change what the goal is with each mesocycle. Sometimes people say, um, th this is something that I like to say as well, because one of our members, Lucio, asked this the other day. They said, I'm thinking about doing, you know, weightlifting and raw strength training for one mesocycle, then b body weight training for another. I think you get better results from training on one of those goals for two mesocycles, but you do an accumulation and an intensification phase or a slower um, tempo phase and a faster tempo phase, but on the same modality. And then you move on to something else. I like doing that. But uh, yeah, look, these are all things. It's not, this is science. You can do yeah. yes, there's so many different ways of doing it, but yeah, I think bring it back to what the value of a good coach is, is understanding like, you know, what works. How to do it properly. Yeah, how to yep. do it properly. And also what works for that person and, and you know, what they'll actually do, yep. which is the biggest challenge in physio is like, you yeah. know, you can give them good exercises, you can give them good whatever, but like, will they do it? That, that's yeah, a matter of, yeah. of communication, of aligning, you know, interests and goals and, um, yeah. yeah, and making it as easy as possible to, um, to execute it. So I think like with, um, you know, with the Unity uh, program, like in the gym, there's lots of things to make it as easy as possible to like actually do the work that is prescribed. So having, um, we have videos of the warm up videos of the exercises. So like that barrier to entry is really um, low. Same with our um, online you know, when we when we have physio patients, both in person and online, they get a program which is, um, you know, has a very easy to follow thing, and that's what I think a good coach does as well is makes it as easy as possible to actually execute. Well, there's a structure, right? Yeah, and there's plans, stressing there's structure. asymmetries or you know weakness or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. If you haven't had a good coach, you don't know what you're missing out on because if you're serious about getting results, when you've got somebody that that comes up with the plan for you that's got experience in creating those plans and that it looks at you and your goals and where you're at objectively not subjectively it's just so infinitely valuable and you know i've been surprised at how basic some of my programs that i've been given by coaches seem to me when i think of what i've done in the past but that's because the coach looks at you and identifies your weaknesses and goes let's let's work on that and let's make that a strength and what that looks like over six or 12 months is just magic compared to just going at it with something that you're really either not ready for or shouldn't be doing. Like, it's just not the thing you should be focusing on now, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, any any closing thoughts for today, boys? No, I think a whole lot of those little big pillars of um, how to value a good coach, have end goal, has a plan, and there's a direction you're going in. Yeah. So. Also highlighted how much more valuable six hours sleep compared to nine hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning in, everyone. And thanks, uh, Nilesh and Phil, for coming in. If you guys, uh, anybody listening that isn't in America that wants to get any specific advice for any sporting injuries or any strategy needed to prevent injury for uh, athletic performance, check out the guys, adpt.physio. I can personally vouch for both of them. I've worked with them both for many, many years now, and they are absolutely phenomenal. I wouldn't be able to do what I'd do if it wasn't for these two magicians next to me. So uh, check them out. And if you're in Sydney, then come on down and see us. They're, uh, they're located in Unity Gym at North Sydney. We've got a little practice in here for them. So yeah. thanks for coming on again today, and fellas. And thanks, for Jody, for asking a question because, yeah, we really do like questions. So everyone who is watching live, chuck them in there. And if you're not watching live, then... Um, you know, post a question on the group and, yep. and we'll get to it. Yeah, that's right. And Stephen Laney, I will see you in about two minutes in the UMS online coaching group. 
to answer any of your questions specifically. Thanks for tuning in, Lainey and uh, Stephen and Jody, and thanks for chiming in, guys. And uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. Have a great day. See you guys. <clears throat> Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.